Here we go. Welcome back to uh, Whiteboard Wednesdays. We've had a, a couple weeks off here and, uh, you know, been traveling around the country uh, over the last couple weeks and guys have been busy. So it's great to have us back in the room. We're, we're missing Brandon, who's out in L.A. training, and we're missing Manny, who's, who's training uh, a German kid right now, uh, trying out for the academy. So it's uh, a busy time around here still and I'm glad you guys could jump back in here and, and get this thing back going and thanks to everyone that's tuning in and feel free to uh, you know send your questions or, or uh, pop up on uh, IG live as well or, or follow us on our YouTube page um, you know today I, I think it, it, it's more than fitting we, we spent the last weekend in the only live period before July for AU so I, I think we're gonna we're gonna kick off the show today talking about um, you know how everyone felt uh, that went. Um, you know what you saw, what your feedback's been from coaches, and you know for me, I, I, I still don't, I still don't agree with it. I, I truthfully don't. Um, I think you know the NCAA in terms of uh, trying to you know counter or fix what the problems are. I don't think limiting the live periods is fixing that problem. Mm -hmm. I think what it does is a, a huge disservice. Uh, especially to our Canadian kids. You're closing um, the gap. The gap. It, it's, it it, it's real hard now in terms of, you know, you got to go in there. And in today's culture, when you're trying to get guys to play the right way and they got three, four, five games to do it, mm -hmm. and they know this is the only time they're in front of college coaches before July, you know, they're putting that shit up. Mm -hmm. they, they're, they're putting that ball up. They're, they're, they're chucking it and, it. and it's a special group of guys that could actually move that ball in. We saw that this weekend. Um, you know, when we were down in Atlanta, we watched a lot of games. And, man, there, there were some teams that I swear they were assembled just for one dude to, like, yeah. shoot every shot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, what was the feedback you've got, Jay, in, in some college coaches? I know they were going crazy down there trying to get through Atlanta traffic. They were flying back and forth to different cities, Kansas City, uh, out to LA, you know, down to Dallas, back to Atlanta. It, and back again. It's got to be hard on them too, just to try to get to everybody so that no one could say, "You didn't come watch me." Okay. What, what was the feedback you got? Uh, I think the consensus around this new uh, format um, that coaches don't care for it. Uh, like I, I think, I think it's tough. I think you put everybody in a bind when you have three days for college coaches to see all these kids. Um, then for the kids in their minds, especially in their young minds, for some who hasn't, like to be honest, this this live period was some was the first live period for some of these kids. Like some of these kids had never dealt with a live period before. Yeah. So now only having three days, like now in the mind of a young teenager, desperate, desperate. Like, <laughs> like you said, like they they chucking it, like, <clears throat> and they don't have a coaching staff or people who are educated enough to know and where like for example like we did a training camp so our kids have been together for a long time already and they know what we're looking for we know what the what the college coaches are looking for and nothing um, changed nothing you, changed you yeah and we have again we have a staff where we're enlightened to that level so we can speak to our kids and let them know what their what coaches are looking for um what really moves them versus like what they think moves a coach so we had a really good showing but for other programs and kids who um, their programs aren't as, as highly touted as ours. Um, snapshot. It's, yeah, it's a small you got window. A, you got a snapshot. And it's like the AAU world is used to the two in the spring and the three in the summer. 
So now it's like we're supposed to be, really be gearing up to go play this weekend in front of more college coaches. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we're playing, but and they're going to be live streaming, I guess, through Baller TV and other um, – Avenues. Other, other avenues, but it's like it's just it's just weird. Like the whole AU scene is, has changed because of whatever ACAA felt they needed to change it for, and to the people who've been in it long enough, doesn't seem like that fixes the problem. To bring it back, right? So we might as well give us our two live and our three I, live. I, I can understand, you know, I, I think two live. I, I think one in April, one in May, one in July. Mm-hmm. I think that 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 solves what everyone really needs. Um, I think that helps the shoe circuits. I, I think that helps the non-shoe circuit teams as well with coaches mm-hmm. being able to get out to not just focusing mm-hmm. in on on the high-profile guys, but but allowing mm-hmm. other schools to recruit who who they could who they could get. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an important aspect. Um, I think I think the July one. Um, the the other thing that hurts, I think, is the June one. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I think it hurts Canadian kids. And, and again, I have a, a huge Canadian um, perspective on it. I, I think it's it's just a different avenue now that we have to explore. Where, you know, um, you can't even you can't even sanction an NCAA event up here in June this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, after talking with the NCAA, I know it's something that's on their radar um, to fix for next year. But mm-hmm. it just makes it tough for us up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- any feedback you got? Anything you heard? Um, honestly, like, well, just, you know, speaking to you guys and just from your experience that you guys had in Atlanta, it seems that the, the guys, and I think a lot of that goes to based off of what Jeremy was just talking about, how they had the training camp, at least two of them now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they've had a chance to be together. They've, they've, they've been able to create a, a culture that you guys have, have instilled with them. And, um, you know, by the sounds of it, it you know, they're, they're, they're flowing really well and they're, they're being unselfish. And uh, I think that's, you know, the great thing to hear, especially when you have a guy on the team that is a five-star. So, you know, it's a, it, other, other than just from the bounce perspective, um, I know like with, you know, some of the guys from uh, our development teams, like um, Elias and Josh, uh, they were down at, well, actually, sorry, not Josh. Josh was actually on a visit in Queens, but uh, Elias was down at Pitt Jamfest. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a, you know, they had a, pr- a pretty tough goal loss in the semis uh, and then played another game for just mm-hmm. like Constellation. But they said it was, it was really good. I want to say just a quick little like shout out to um, Canada Elite. Um, and who was the other team? Sorry. Uh, oh, damn, I'm going to forget. But two Canadian teams won Pit Jam Fest this year for their age group, so mm. big shout-out to them. I think that's awesome. You're getting the Canadian guys out there, um, giving them more exposure. Um, I think one thing, if I'm just going to point in on, like, that live period um, and just the, that, that little bit of a gap in between the two, I think the biggest positive that might come from it, but in today's day and age, especially with the players and what we've seen especially, I think the, the positive of it is it gives – it gives you. It should give you more of an incentive to want to work on your game, and focus on what's coming. But nowadays, guys look at it as this is what my situation is, and don't want to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. Where you have a chance, and it's a good little gap to actually really develop yourself and be prepared for that moment. And once again, if you don't strike during that moment, you know, it's over. It's over. It's, it, but it's at least give yourself at least give yourself that fighting chance. Yeah, and I think absolutely. that's where that little bit of a gap can be a positive instead of just a, a negative. Well, with, with with that talk, I mean, um, we we had a little talk before this uh, went live today about basketball movies and and uh, you know, shout out Ray Allen and Twenty One Years Ago uh, today was uh, the release of He Got Game yeah. and. It's crazy because we sit here and I, I had to ask you guys how old you were when it came out because mm-hmm. I actually remember bringing 
my team to the theater and watching He Got Game. Yeah. And and it was, you know, the the movie at the time. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about more basketball movies. But how old were you when, when that movie came out, 21 years ago? It was 21. My birthday's late in November, so I'm, I was probably six when the movie released. Um, and, and at what point in your life did you ever see that movie? I feel like I probably watched it maybe, probably not, maybe to another two to four years later after it came out probably. And, you, and your parents got to make you hide their eyes and... <laughs> Yeah, I'm for sure. I'm for sure. Absolutely. You dead because I'm in the movie theater. Like, yo, what the hell did I just do? Yeah, I'll put your heads down. Popcorn, popcorn. But it's crazy. How old were you, Pat? I was four, and I'd like I'd say probably the same kind of thing as Gene. But otherwise, you know that that's one of my favorite movies. Shout out Jesus Shuttlesworth. And that's when they used to that's when they used to be on on VHS. Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. VHS or Beta, and you go to Blockbuster and. You walk around and pick that up after, and yeah, who still has up. a VCR? That's all I, I do. Know. <laughs> we do. We I dead ass do. Yeah. My wife tapes everything, so we we can't get rid of it. But real real talk, I gotta one day take all those VHS tapes, and I gotta get them onto DVD or onto like a, a hard drive because it's just a matter of time before that one time you put it in and that thing hasn't played in like mm-hmm. twenty years. It just. Absolutely. Remember, remember the the the, uh, the film on the top used to like be skipping sometimes. Yeah. The movie it'd be uh, you uh, get that you get the wrinkles and yeah. in it and the fuzz and you gotta hit rewind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You pull up was, the tape and all of a sudden all the uh, the, the the black string or whatever yeah, I it was I, just the, uh, the film was just all scrambled up. I used to yeah. get mad yeah. and be like, I got mad. <laughs> I was open the film up and be pulling the film. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I got the biggest whoopings, boy. No yeah. doubt. Um, some other notable basketball movies. We sat here and brainstormed a little bit, but it's like when you when you think back to it, it's like there's there's movies that you just got to watch as a basketball guy, mm-hmm. and then there's other ones that kind of motivate. And and I think one of the ones that I've always heard basketball players growing up and in the older generation, because I mean Coach Carter kind of you know, became that new one. Mm-hmm. But uh, Through the Fire was a, a really, really good one with Sebastian Telfair where you, you got to ride that journey from high school to maybe going to college to signing a big shoe deal to entering the NBA draft and, and, and being a, a top pick. So, you know, that that was a really good one. Um, I, think, I think I was eighth grade when Sebastian was a senior. And if you to ask my 11-year-old self... <laughs> I thought Sebastian was going to go down as the best point guard to ever live. Like, the, the, way, was, the way that what? movie went out? I bought I a, por- such I a, bought a Portland Trailblazers jersey. Oh, I, mean, I still have it. I think he might be, <laughs> he's either in jail right now or was on the verge of going to jail he recently. He was on the verge. He was on Breakfast Club. Yeah, he was on Breakfast Just around a year. He's out, he's out though. He's, he's, out, out, he's yeah. doing some. He's doing a lot of some, stuff in the community. Yeah, he's reinvented himself. Yeah, no, he was good. And that movie was motivational. It was emotional. It was a little bit of everything because you got to see his brother didn't make it and then played in Europe and then he's making it and we, like, we actually played against his little brother as well Ethan, yeah. Ethan. Ethan. it's yeah. crazy seeing like Ethan like I think Ethan finished at Idaho State and was averaging like 20 he's having like crazy. 20 a game at Idaho State I remember like always the ending of the movie like an Ethan where he's out on the court shooting on the like it's crazy before school yeah and how, how how many kids really started to create a work ethic based on that movie in terms of like yo sure I gotta get up early I gotta run stairs I gotta you know I'm, I, I'm sure I'm sure a lot I, I think there was there was a ton and then on the flip side I mean you go to Hoop Dreams you go to Hoop Dreams you watch that whole movie and at the end there's really nothing 
You know, yeah. it, it shows how easy things could go right yeah. and how easy things can go wrong. Mm -hmm. But again, still a good movie to watch, a good teaching piece, a good opportunity to, to connect with a lot of kids. Um, I think that was a, a really good movie. And then Coach Carter kind of put it in style for, for, for Jeremy to be a coach. <laughs> Uh, I'm not like a <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but I, I think that one there, uh, you know, that, that one there was like, it's okay to, to be disciplined as a basketball player. It's okay to establish morals. It's okay to establish yeah. a way to go about, you know, handling your business in, in the hardest of situations of which Coach Carter was in, um, you know, and then and then fighting the the – the parents and the, the the staff and everyone else who just wants to see basketball versus trying it. to create a person and win it. Yeah, you know. So I, I think that was a good one. Um, he locked he, them out during the win streak, right? He, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He did. I think they forfeit some games in that it's movie. It was school, right? Yeah, they had the big chains on the door, yeah. and and then and then you know the other one where we went down and and we got to see with a team was was more than a game, and I think that was that was pretty cool because you got to see some spots where you've actually hooped at. You know, you go to, you, you mentioned the LeBron James, um, you know, in Akron, the yeah. the, the tournament and yeah. things like that. You you got to see stuff that you're actually looking at in that movie and see LeBron come through and, and realize, you know, the makeup of LeBron's team. There was some hoopers on that team still. Like, yeah. when you really look back oh, and they're getting off the bus playing in Cleveland in the state championship and you got... Um, was Drew Joyce's his son, mm -hmm. um, you know, coming into games, banging down threes, and, Drew, and, he, yeah. and, and he looked like a dude that no one would ever play, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was crazy for me to watch it because I remember when it first came out, I think I was a freshman in college, or a so either freshman or sophomore in college. But one of my really good friends, uh, Greg Creer, he's from L.A., but his uncle and his family lives in Akron. So his dad sent him to Akron to go to St. Vincent St. Mary. And he's also best friend with Drew Joyce's, um, Drew Joyce's senior's youngest son, Cam, mm -hmm. who was a uh, dobo at Ohio this year. Cam is my guy, so shout out Cam Joyce. Um, so me watching the movie with Greg and like a, a bunch of us went. Like I was watching the documentary, but also had Greg sit next to him. Like, hey, was that true? Like, did that really happened? Like, so I was getting the background on the background. So for me, watching more of the game was like pretty dope because I got to ask somebody who was there firsthand at St. Mary, happen. seeing it happen, like really knowing Bron and knowing Drew and Rome Travis and all those guys. So it, it was a different experience for me watching more of the game. So it was, it was dope. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, moving on to a couple other movies, uh, you know, one of the ones where I remember looking and, and you know, you, when you're new to this game and, and when this movie came out, you're like, shoot, does that stuff really happen? Mm -hmm. and, and Blue Chips. Blue Chips was a, a movie that was like, man, they were getting tractors and they were getting, you know, crazy, crazy mm -hmm. stuff from these schools and, and stuff like that. And it was it was crazy to see. And then all of a sudden you start to look at what's going on in college basketball mm -hmm. today. It moved from like a John Deere tractor to like a bag of cash, or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just different, different things. So that that was a good movie, too. Hoosiers was yeah. was a, another good one. Classic. Um, you they, know, shot, they shot that at Butler, right? I think I so. Heard, at, uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse, I yeah. heard. Um, Six Man. Yeah. Was more of a you know Glory. a different one. Glory Road's one of my favorites. Glory Road was a good one. Loving basketball. If if anyone out there has any any movies that that we forgot, I think there's Mark. You you have any that you kind of look back to or? Coach Carter is always one of my favorites. Coach Carter. Okay. Was it was it as a as a basketball player when you went to hoop? Was that an inspirational thing? Was it? 
something where you're like, okay, I'm okay with coach yelling at me today. Yeah. In, in high school, my first couple of years, the coaches made us run. And then I watched that and I was like, it's all right to, you know, work. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Other two, though, it's, you can't leave, like Pat said, loving basketball is one. And, and you said earlier, I did. He was a I hooper. Did. You wanted a female hooper to be your girlfriend. You <laughs> needed someone to rebound. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then what was it? Rick Ross? Uh, is she not shooting with you in the gym? She yeah. wasn't with me shooting, <laughs> shooting in the gym. Uh, and what's the other one? Above the rim. Above the uh, rim. Tupac. Yeah. Tupac. Tupac. Washington. Bernie Mac. Yeah. Right? Um, that's the guy's name. You understand that the dude? So I forgot the exact number. But what was the guy's name? The older guy. That in, one. In Butterworth. In Bob Dude, it's been so long since. He was like the janitor yeah. or something. Was he a janitor or something? But he was an old dude that never would hoop. Right. He would never would hoop. And then finally at the end, when uh, when Dwayne Washington left Tupac's team, Denzel. the dude came. It wasn't Denzel. The dude came and uh, no. took his <laughs> stuff off. He said Dwayne Washington. I think it's Denzel Washington. Oh. <laughs> He'll wake up, bro. <laughs> but the, but the, dude, the dude in the movie, the dude went for like 35 points, fam, like 40-something. Yes. Oh, another one too. Teen Wolf. Forgot Teen about Wolf. that. Yeah, Teen Wolf, man. That's a basketball movie. I don't care oh what you say. Oh my god. That, this is it. There's a lot. No doubt. I'm gonna lie. Do we all time favorite. If you had if if you were sitting with a group of uh, kids right now and said, yo, the best basketball movie to watch all time right now. A group of kids, I probably would say. Ah, oh, that's tough. That's a tough one. A tough I, I'm gonna go with uh, I mean best movie I think. Um I, I like Coach Carter. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, a combination of, of Through the Fire. Yeah. Um, I think that's an important one to see. I mean, can you imagine in today's culture, outside of New York City, telling dudes, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll meet you at the game. Take the subway, walk five five blocks, and, and I'll, I'll see you in the lobby. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where does that really happen anymore? Yeah. I mean, you grew up in California, in L.A. H- how do you guys get to your games there? We drive. So you like team bus or yes, that's the thing about or? being like from LA and like seeing like New York and like other places. How like public transportation isn't really a big thing in California, like like well in LA at least, like because yeah, yeah, yeah. in the Bay Area they use the BART. So yeah, but in LA like people are driving. Like mm-hmm. you don't got a car, you're like, man, what are you doing? That's, that's, yeah. why, you, that's why you sit in traffic for four hours yeah, a day in too. LA. That's, that's, true that's too. crazy out well, there. I was, I was about to say once I once I finished playing at, at Balance, I moved over to to Scanning Court downtown. And the, like we would usually start practice at six six thirty. So the commute, my mom's coming back from work. She can't take me to the game. So that's where I would have to take you know my bu- my bus, the one twelve all the way to Kipling, Kipling to Bathurst, Bathurst five eleven all the way to Scotting Court, get off at Dundas, and then practice usually six thirty about nine. We'll go for about three hours. Shout out Scotting Court. Shout out all the guys I played with. Um, but you know that that's something that I got. I had to get used to real quick. Absolutely. Is, is it, and it was three four times a week sometimes. So yeah, you know, getting on the, getting my butt on the we bus and driving walking. Yeah. At this point now, kids are Ubering everywhere now, so yeah. they're Ubering. But to answer the movie question, I think I'll say he got game yeah. just because now being a coach and like understanding, having a better understanding of life and seeing recruiting and him dealing with his father being absent and raising his sister. And uh, I think now, in my perspective now, he got game, has a lot of opportunity for it to be able to teach um, in the grand scheme of life. So now I'll probably say he got game growing up it was loving basketball for sure. But now yeah, I think I think I think loving basketball is on every Hooper's list. Yeah. Period. Yeah, as like, sure. you know, their their dream or or like mm-hmm. that that was that was the thing. Yeah. Mark you. Favorite favorite basketball, favorite basketball movie ever. Coach Carter. Uh, Coach, Coach Carter. Coach Carter. 
Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to swing it over here now to uh, crazy recruiting stories. Um, I think this is the season where, uh, you know, you're coming off an AAU weekend and it happens every year right after an AAU weekend. You get coaches that are calling for players and, you know, what, what you're pretty new to this now in terms of now getting calls for a player versus, you know, being a grad assistant and whatnot. What's the craziest thing that's really ever happened to you or that a coach has said to you? No names, obviously, but just, you know, weird, crazy. Actually, you know. Now that you say that, Kevin. I mean, I, I have one where I, I, I remember a coach called me and said, yo, I really love that guy. Um, I don't think he's at our level, um, but we're going to offer him. And, and then, uh, you know, it, it wasn't at a very high level. And so I asked him, I said, so why are you offering him if he's not at your level? And he said, well, we always like to downplay all the recruits that we're, we're, we're recruiting and not make them feel very special before they get here so they're not entitled. Mm. And I'm like, man, just recruit the kid properly. You calling him saying you're not at our level is not going to get it done, mm -hmm. uh, especially in today's day and age. You know, another one, you know, we get, we get tons of mail here. I remember a school was recruiting, and this coach is actually going to know who he is too, and that's the funny <laughs> part. Um, uh, we got a big envelope, and we opened it up, and there was a letter in it. And when you go to take the letter in it, there was a whole bunch of dimes that had been cut out. And on the letter, it had a picture of the player, and it said, we need your dimes at this school. And all the dimes cut out paper fell out everywhere like confetti oh my god <laughs> so i mean the length the lengths that oh, like some man. of them will go to we had yeah. um we had another one do you remember when lebron came out and he took that picture and he was in the in the in the, the big king's chair mm -hmm. i think that's slam was that slam it might have been the slam magazine cover or something so. yeah, maybe. well they they took lebron's head off and put the player's head on <laughs> that we, see that's that was that was my story so when, when I was in high school, in my, in, my, in my last year, UFT was trying to get me and one of my teammates. And what they did was, they, and they sent, it to my, they sent it to my teammate, and then they, they, he, they told my teammate to show me so like, we could like, you know, connect with each other. So they sent us a picture of like, their, like the, two, the two coaches on staff and then two of their top players. And the funny thing was, like, I was, a, I was a, a scrawny, and I still am pretty skinny, so I was, I was a scrawny kid back then, and they put us on, a, like, a guy that's, like, all jacked. Like, both guys are, are huge. They're jacked. And they put, and the funny thing is, one guy's black, the other guy's brown. And they put both, me and my friend, were both white, on both their heads. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And they put us, like, this could be you next year. Mark, that was their you're our hilarious. video editing guy. Is, what, what lengths? Have you seen someone go to or, or, or something in terms of getting a recruit? Like, I, I personally have you haven't seen. Stories, no. I, I seen I seen another uh, school. Um, you know, we basically take a, a moon man and put the player's head inside the the space helmet, mm -hmm. and basically said, "We love you to the moon and back." <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm I, I'm actually dead ass gonna bring some of these in and put them on the table and show you and we'll blur out the face or we'll find a way to do it. I have boxes of this stuff that kids just say, oh, I don't want it anymore and I keep and, and, and whatnot. So it's some funny ones, but what's the craziest thing a coach has ever said to you? Uh, I think it's more so funny to me how coaches like double back. Like when you try to privy them to a kid and um, I've heard one time before how, how some coaches 
I'm not gonna say they don't want to compete, but that's how it comes off. That like if if a certain amount of schools or schools aren't recruiting a kid, like they won't recruit them. Or <clears throat> if too many schools are recruiting them, they won't recruit them. Or so, they say, uh, do we have a shot with him? Well, did you try? That's the thing. That's the thing. Did you even call you him? Did you? Text them? Did you do anything yet? That can, be, that can be the biggest piece. So it's right always there. funny to see how the pendulum swings when it's like, man, take this kid. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And then here comes Power Five, and it's like, oh, hey, uh, I always, I always try to get them on, on, just you know, instead of beating around the but we, we love this kid, we love him, you know, what, blah, blah, blah. It's like, are you interested or are you offering? Right. Boom. Like, just get to the point. And yeah. too many times, kids get a phone call from. A coach that says we love you, we love you, blah blah blah. But then you say, did they offer? I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. and and you see it on social media all the time. Like offers fly out the window, and you have to question, like, yo, is is that one real? Is, legit, yeah. is this real, or is it was it a phone call? Or so I mean, it's it's for me, it's I found it most beneficial to just like get straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Don't beat around the bush and say, yo, is it an offer or is it is it interest and. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think they respect that a lot more as well yeah, in of terms course. of understanding where they stand. Um, this past weekend, we're, we're going to double back because I saw some funny stuff happening in the gyms this weekend. <laughs> we're we going to talk about crazy parents, crazy coaches, crazy AAU referees. Like, <laughs> there was some wild stuff, even just in some of our games that we saw is, you know, just wild stuff. I mean... I look back, and, and, and when you think of AAU and you think, you know, we, we went to a ton of gyms this weekend. We, we mm-hmm. saw, you know, all the way from, from Nike all the way down to, to mm-hmm. everything else. And, I mean, my highlights are, are the referees who, who don't make it to center. Referees yelling at a coach from the other side of the floor to not talk to his partner because his partner is a female. Like crazy stuff going on in in the gym, and then parents. You know, I saw I saw parents filming games, walking into the team's timeouts to film the timeouts, and back up into the stands, yelling at their kids. It's crazy. I, I you know, you you saw this stuff happening too. I, I heard coaches wiling out on kids, calling them stuff that man. If we ever did that, I think we'd be in jail. Uh, what what was the craziest thing you saw this weekend? Man, no names. <laughs> yeah, of course, no names. Um, it was a, it was a lot of what you said though. Uh, I think I was, I think I laughed the most at the referees, um, their explanations for things, their the way they call them, the way they was calling stuff. Uh, I think they were pretty transparent about what they were doing, but the fact that they were doing it, it just like no, bla- way too transparent. Blatantly missing calls. Man, I just want to see them hoop. Bro. I just want to see them hoop. Tell them to keep going. Oh, one time and make. <laughs> It's like they're, fan, they're fans more than anything. What's on? And May goes in there, jump stops. And one. But no call. Of course, he didn't call it. The refs turn, look at the bench, and Fleck, he says. And Kev's going down the ref. I'm sick, yo. <laughs> How many times, not even just this weekend, have you seen referees' reactions to when something happens in a game? Because oh, we saw it all the way through. I've, I've seen someone get dunked on. We were at a grind session event, and someone put a dunk down. This was in uh, – it, it may have been in Washington, 
Mm-hmm. Or, or Kentucky because both, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing the referee uh, run the other way. Yeah, <laughs> like oh my god, he just like Damn, got dunked on, and he took off down the court laughing. Yeah, yeah Giovanni took it. Like, Giovanni yeah. So it's like Crazy. if you actually just go to a AAU game or or even a high school game and just watch the referees, some of the stuff that happens is hilarious. It's hilarious. I just followed a Twitter handle like the other day. It's called AAU, oh, AAU something. AAU Bingo. I think it's called AAU Bingo. Fam, and they got everything on there. It's ridiculous. Dude, referee broke his chain trying to dunk at it during the timeout. That that one kills me all the time is when, when referees shoot around on timeouts. Yeah, and he, yes, like, oh, yes, man, yes. There's nothing nothing that annoys me more than seeing a and referee they're, they're, shoot they're, around they're or, or a referee that tries to dunk on a timeout. Yeah. Like, it. it's crazy. Um, I, I think one of the funniest moments I've ever had, and it was when I was playing with Sky in court, Shout out to my guy, uh, Ronaldo Dixon. He set a screen, and he slips it, and he rolls to the basket. Help side comes. He windmills on the guy. And the referee under the basket just blew the whistle, and as he's blowing the whistle, he's like, you know, like you can hear the whistle go, because he's laughing. He's like, and he's just like, official timeout, five minutes. Him and his partner get together. They just start howling. They were laughing. The fans, like everyone just rushed the court. I felt so bad for the kid that got dunked on. But besides the fact, like the game shut down for an actual five minutes. And then we we started playing. I remember remember some some games when we used to take some teams downtown Toronto to to Parkdale and and hoop in in a Parkdale league where things like that would happen. You know, uh, shout out Scotty if Scotty's watching. He runs A games, uh, A game girls now. And and Scotty used to be the referee in the league. Mm -hmm. And man, that I don't think they could have paid anyone else other than Scotty and who it was to referee a single game in that league because every possession there was going to be a fight or yeah. every single time there was a dunk, everyone was all over the court. You, you just have like neighborhood versus neighborhood. It right? is. Yeah. It was yeah. like you you couldn't go in there. There's times after a game where we got to get up and run. Yeah, we got to run to our car and try to get <laughs> out of there. But like someone gets dunked on, and it's it's crazy how basketball people that watch games will do the first thing that's wild when someone gets dunked on. Like, I saw backpacks flying onto floors. I saw people picking up the bench and shoving it out there. Like The funny thing is, if you see, if you really, I, I took in too, because I wanted to see if I reacted on that Giovanni dunk in Washington. If you look at me and Jay, we're sitting beside each other, we're just literally like this. Just whenever like whenever that happens and I'm ridiculous. coaching, I just turn around and walk oh. away like... Oh, I th- and the funny thing is, I think the only one that was real hype, and I'm not surprised by it, was Brandon. And then the rest of us were just like, that's just what he does. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. Like, I mean, but also, still shocked, but that's just what he does. The, the funniest part is when people repost it, and you hear their reaction on film yeah. when they're filming it, and you're just like, oh, oh but then we can <laughs> But then we can go to this. Just before he gets that dunk, we're hearing from parents in the stands, yeah. he's not that good. Yeah. He's just average. So, and then right after the follow, he does that. No, it's, you know, well, and, and it's, fun, it's funny that you say that because in that particular game when we were in Washington, that parent was heckling oh, wait, the whole, from the other the team. Game. Just like, you're garbage, you're not good, you're yeah. not this, you're not that. And I remember going to the player at halftime saying, that dude said you're terrible. He said you can't do this, that, and the other. And he's like, oh, all right, I got you, coach. And basically went back out and dunked all over this kid. Yes. And and it's so bad because we're so conscious of like people's feelings now. It's like what what happens to that other kid when he's got to watch that video? 
well, 18,000 times that day on every social media feed. social media has ruined it for guys that get dunked, uh, get buckled, whatever the case may be. You're just, you're put on blast. Absolutely. You're put on and, blast. and it's automatic to like every social media yep. site. And, you know, I, I look at, at when a guy gets dropped and someone hits a shot, like, oh, man. So I, I mean, I, overtime had, uh, we had Elijah Fisher here for the, for the Fears game. That was on overtime, maybe 20 yeah. minutes later. I, I, we talked about that dunk a little, but real talks. I've never seen it. He threw himself at the rim. Yes. Like, he threw himself it wasn't even just a too. dunk. It was like, I'm supermanning yeah. everything I have in me right now to put this down. And I thought he was going to come down flat on his back the way that he, he took off. And, and you know, when, when you think about it, he, he cocked that back and just boom. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot of adrenaline. I mean, out of nowhere, too. Uh, you weren't I, expecting it. And our, our, our gym was packed. Yeah. Like, I work here, and I see our gym every day. So it was like to see the gym that packed at our Biosteel All-Canadian Futures game. Shout out Biosteel. Um, and to give those kids that platform. Absolutely. And for overtime to take it and run with it. And we're in Canada, and I don't think overtime is based in Canada. So, yeah. Uh, was, yeah was really good. One thing that pissed me off about that, I was literally loading up the ball rack. So I was scared right beside you. Yeah, like, we're both. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we look, we're like, what? What just happened? You started running around. Yeah. I'm like, what just happened? He did what I just said. If, if there was backpacks and, and chairs, he would have threw them all on the one. court. <laughs> the ball rack would have been gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would have been gone. But, uh, I've seen that live. Craziest parents in the stands this weekend. Man, I heard one mom tell her son, if you're not going to work hard, you may as well quit this game. I drove all the way here. Beep, beep, beep. And it was wild. And this kid's like 17. It's it's Damn. it's like do or die for some of these kids in terms of like their parents are going all in. Mm-hmm. And Some of these parents, man. Like I just wish that some of these parents like, and I, and I think it's going to take some power and like there needs to be some type of symposium, some type of educational seminar or something, or, or you could just go to like a like just take yourself to a Division One basketball game and sit really close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think as you see them dudes moving and as hard they're playing and running, and then when you look at your kid, you will be able to say like, you ain't doing whether that. Whether it's yeah. a real thing or whether it's not a real thing. I think people just look at TV. I, I think the unfortunate thing is, is is exactly that. In in Canada, you look at it on TV, and, and I'm going to say probably until you're on an, a, vi- a visit or thing, 80 to 90% of kids in Canada and their parents have never been to a Division One basketball game. Mm-hmm. And if they have, it's not at the level that they think their kids are going to play at, mm-hmm. so it's it's an unfair comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if they did do that – they would understand the level of preparation, the level of play, the level of responsibility, the 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 you know the mental aspect of it, mm-hmm. and the physicality of college mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. Not everyone could go into college basketball and be a superstar. And that's facts. It's most you know, most guys are become role players. Yeah, I mean, we've been out of Canada. Truthfully, we've been really lucky with the places that these kids have selected to go to college. They've been a needed piece or a key piece or the piece to each of those teams that they've picked for the most part. Yeah. And and even the ones that aren't immediate superstars become four-year amazing players with pro potential at oh, the end or an opportunity to play this game after. And a degree. Look at um, Mariel. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, he's re- he really came into his, uh, his own. Percent. He had an outstanding season this yeah. year. So, I mean – you know, shout out to to all those people helping these kids get scholarships mm-hmm. and all the programs that are are dedicating their time. 
um, to helping these Canadian kids because we just getting started. Yeah, we we really absolutely. are. When you look at this ball rolling and everything that's happening here, um, you know, there's a lot of people in Canada doing the right things, helping these kids to, to try to get them off. And, and we just got to do a better job of everyone trying to, to work together. And, of course, and, I was and, literally just about yeah. to say that, it's, think, it's think, starting to get out of control up here. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest thing is, and, and, and it's a, this is a tough one, because once again, also not just do we coach, we do skill, like skill, skill development with kids. I think one of the toughest things also, and it, it happens as well when you're doing it from a coaching perspective, but when you're coaching the kids and the, the, and the parent has instilled their trust in you to coach their, their, their son or their daughter, but then they still feel the need to communicate, excommunicate to them and get on their back during that practice or that training session yeah. and then become the coach. Or, for example, what I've seen is actually step into doing it. Yeah. So then my question becomes is why, why, why is this even happening? Why is it going on? Because you seem more engaged than your kid is and if that's the case, then why don't you just do it on your own yeah. with the kid? I mean, that, that's, it, it's, it it's, such down, a it's such a tough it is, but situation it's, it's, to it's be an in, environment but. where parents feel like they have to do things their way so that if it doesn't work out, it was done their way versus if it doesn't work out, they have someone to blame. Mm -hmm. and, and it's both ways, you know. I think it really comes down to the fact, like, you know, I have, a, I have a daughter that still plays. I have a son that still plays. They play for people I trust. I'm not making those phone calls. I'm not saying what's going on. I'm watching. I'm listening. I'm sitting there. And anyone, you know, I go to games and I watch my kids play. I heckle the refs. That's all I do. I, I ain't questioning what the coach is doing. I, I ain't calling them after the game. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I put my kids where I trust the coach mm -hmm. and I trust the process because I know what that process is. So I think it needs to go back to, like, what you're saying is, more of a symposium of like, what is the pathway? What are the things that you should check? What are the boxes you need to check? And then sit back and watch if they're checking those boxes. And if they are, let them rock. Yeah. Let them go. And yeah. and the parents that get it, you know, like we, we have some really good parents here at the academy where they allow us to check those boxes and, and, and they're seeing the fruits of the labor of their kids' yes. hard work and the trust. Versus some others where it's like they want to micromanage every single step of the way of and you can't fake this thing. Mm -hmm. You can't fake it because in the end, it'll be exposed. Yeah, it, and it's kind of funny as you're saying like one and, it, and not even going to say who it is, but one of our parents is they're huge on trying to micromanage what their son's going to do. And talking to her and, and talking to her yesterday and, and, and also the dad, it, it's he's completely changed and, and ha it's been a tough year, but he's had to he's had to change and, and doing it on his own. And learning and, and taking steps back from his mistakes and trying to figure out how he's going to do it. And now he's doing a lot better in school. Yeah. So it, it's kind of, it, it's, it's strange how it works out, but uh, eventually you'll figure, you, you know, you figure things out and it, it, you you hit that wall. I, some, I, guys, some guys just have to. I think we saw it this weekend and, and you know, I, I don't like to talk too much about like our team, but when players fall into what they're good at and they learn that they're going to be recruited for what they are, mm -hmm. great things happen. I think too many times kids try to go out and be something that they're not continuously, mm -hmm. and they look bad for it mm -hmm. over and over and over. And then they want to look at you like, what is it that I'm doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Everything you're trying to do is wrong because that's not who you are. You're trying to be someone you're not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at our situation, you know, you look from, from an academy standpoint or you look from an AAU standpoint, we pick players for what they are right not you know we look at potential we look at skill we look at things but what they are 
is what makes the dynamics of any good team. Right. And so when they try to not be that, they go on an island by themselves, and that's where the struggle starts. And when they kind of recalibrate themselves to say, what are my strengths, and then they live by their strengths, everything's great. Yeah. Everything works out. Yeah. And and I think that's where parents also is like, it's a, it's a me, now, here environment in the basketball community where everything has to happen right now. Well, there's steps, and there's a process, and there's a time, and everybody has their time to shine. You just got to wait it out and be patient. And it, it, it comes full circle back to be around people you trust. End of discussion. You just trust that coach. If you don't, get out. And, and, and it's, that, it's that simple to me. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I, and I think as a whole, between coaches and parents, <clears throat> and, I, and I think between coaches and parents, that we have to have a conversation as far as this great area of trust. I mean, that's what kind of like trust is. Like you're, you're giving us your kid, basically. And you're taking our expertise and our resumes and saying that we're qualified to do what we say we're going to do for your kid. Um, then allow us the space to do that. And I think not all parents do that. Some do. Some do a great job at it. Um, some get it more than others. And if you don't get it, then I, my advice is just to educate yourself. Talk to other parents whose kids have gotten scholarships. Talk to kids who hasn't gotten scholarships, who thought they were D1, who went D2, thought they were D2, went NI, went, had to go JUCO. Um, educate yourself. That's the hardest part is, is getting a kid to understand who he is and what he is and what mm-hmm. his percep- people's perception of him are. Mm-hmm. Everyone's D one or nothing, mm-hmm. and and it's there's levels to it, and and it's embrace who and what you are, and if you think you're better, then prove it. Well, you, you used to tell you know? me if you're going to be a shooter, be a great shooter. Yeah. Be, that's the if you're going to be great at one thing, be like almost perfect. And and. It goes back to, you know, I, my brother-in-law who lives in New York ran an AAU program there, and he was a McDonald's All-American, and we, we have these basketball talks, and, and you know, he, he told me, he's like, so many people, because back, back when we used to talk, there was ABCD camp, and there was, you know, like, there was Nike, Indiana. big, big camps yeah. and things like that, and too many times, people go into those things and try to do everything. Yeah. Man, you just got to go in there. And do one thing good, and and let it be that one thing that you do good, not what you want them to think you do good. If you're a great rebounder, go in and rebound the crap out of the ball. If you're a shot blocker, send that thing into the stands every time. If if you're a great shooter, let it go. If you got handles and you could distribute and, and create for your teammates, do that. And and you know, that's so often kids try to be great at everything. You could develop everything and and be across the board, but. It really comes down to a school mm-hmm. is going to want you because you do something they need well. Yeah. And and that's either shooting, distributing, a lockdown defender, or a rebounder. We got guys, we talked about guys yesterday with, with a college coach, right? Um, guys that just do one or two things very well and, and, and spent four years in college Hell, as a you, starter. You could just be a dog. You know, I always go back yeah. to, to a kid I coached, Denzel Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dog. Re- wanted to rebound. Set the best screens, and anyone watching that ever played with Denzel, you know he played four years at ODU, was a Division One basketball player, and he set screens and rebounded the best that he possibly could. And, and he got a free education doing it, and he's playing pro right now. And one of the the guys I always always use as an example of like just resilient in what he was and comfortable in the skin he's in, being who he is. Um, you know, so shout out Denzel if he's watching, but that's a kid that, you know, grown man now, but a kid that came in and just wanted to be the best at what he did 
and fit a role, and everyone loved him for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's far and few between now. Uh, more or less, he kept to himself. Yeah, yeah. you know, with <laughs> positionalist basketball, it becomes even harder now, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. Got everybody trying to do everything. And, you know, we talk to college coaches all the time. What, what difficult time are they having right now trying to find fours and fives that want to be fours and fives? Because the fives want to be fours, the fours want to be threes, the threes want to be twos, the twos want to be ones, and no one is what they actually are. Yes. And, you know, you got some guys that are capable of doing that, but other schools are looking for mm-hmm. a role. And, you know, difficult. But, hey, great conversation. Um, <coughs> Mark, we, we were having a conversation about you this weekend. And, and the conversa- what, what was the conversation? What it was talking about? It was, who's better? Pat or Mark? Who would win one on one? Who's at dinner? It was at dinner. In basketball, one on one. We're teammates, man. We don't even Yeah, come on. No. No. We we had a whole dinner conversation about who's Nate, better than let who. Me, let me just put this out there just to just to clear the air. I'm not a one on one player. I'm not I'm not a go to the basket guy. If you, and both of these guys that just played men's league with me, I'm a catch and shoot. That is all I do. The, 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 I don't need to put the ball on the, the ground. The whole consensus at dinner was that that Mark was a flyer, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he'll dunk on you. <laughs> and then it came down to, like, who would win, Pat or Mark? And then it was who would win, Manny or Jeremy? And then it was, like, Brandon when you were playing. They <laughs> Brandon doesn't want to play no more. Brandon wouldn't even play. No. <laughs> who else were they throwing out? What were they throwing out? Oh, Other the guys. Scenarios? The guys are saying this. Yeah. Like, oh my god. That's TV funny. and Brandon. Yeah. Me and TV. It was, uh, me and Pat. It was good. It was. They was all over the place. The matchups was. My, all my phone's ringing. It's probably Brandon saying, "Yo, I'll play anyone." Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I, I'm about it. Show me your ones. <laughs> we need him back. We worked on that. Yes, we do. We need him next. We need crazy Brandon, Brandon's back at my house, and I'm at his. I don't Absolutely. know how this world flipped like this. <laughs> but you know what? Any any questions for next week? Uh, throw them in. Was there anything there today? We, we, we went 45 minutes. We're good. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys again, and, and we'll be right back at it Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in uh, on YouTube. Where are we at on YouTube, Mark? Tony Mack Show. The Tony Mack Show on YouTube and obviously on both of our IG lives. Uh, tune in and, and, and give us some topics, give us some uh, questions, and, and you know we'll, we'll get right at it. Absolutely. Peace. Later. Signing up.